city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS, episode 356, coming to you Monday, August 23rd, 2021! Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I am Sean. I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Glad everybody's on board. Welcome back and all that good stuff. Sean, how the heck are you, man? It's been a while. A week. It's been one full week, Brett. <laughs> it is. It, it feels like longer than that. And I don't know why. I think that's because... Brett misses me. I th- a little bit. <laughs> and I, th- I, uh, I got to work today. I'm like, oh... And my first thought was, well, that's I got a week to get that done, and I'm okay. I'm going through stuff, and looked at the calendar, and went, "Holy shit, that's this week!" So everything has been like, like, oh, all that socks audit stuff that I had to do. That's that's this week. Oh crap! So run around, run around, run around, gather, 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 argue, complain, got it done. Well, at least mostly done. So I'm back on track, but man, it's just that pain in the ass. How was uh, getting gaming in since we talked last? In, yeah. in the week between forbidden What'd lands, you do? forbidden lands. Ooh, just kill everybody again. I did you not. Thirsty bastard, you. They're, they're going to be in a lot of trouble, though. I think. Yeah. Well, they. Why is that? They they ran into some heart. They came across some ruins that seemed to be infested with maybe some undead. Okay. And, you know, <laughs> as they kind of poke around, some harpies attacked them. Phil's dwarf like- got thrown up on and shit on. Literally, literally from the harpies. <laughs> it's, it's probably a nasty, worse than, like, say, a seagull. More probably, I had a, uh, I, I have this picture of an image I saw a while back, and a friend of mine said he has seen this happen, where someone got shat on by a pelican Ooh. flying by. So it was um, bird fecal matter and rotten fish. <laughs> so that that's the image I'm thinking of as a large... Like a gallon bucket of stuff dumped on this poor poor dwarf. So that's terrible. Yeah. As, as Phil would say, it's way worse than a than a seagull. It's way worse than a seagull. <laughs> so he so that's happened. Um Harrigan's character. They're surviving though. I mean they are, no but one, you know, it's it's a slow whittle, you know. A slow whittle. Whittle down, <laughs> yeah. Uh eking away, eking it away. Yep. Harrigan's character had suffered a mishap from the prior session that basically says that if she move makes a move like a move movement a skill like she has to use the oh, move okay. skill she suffers damage Ooh. because she's she's recovering from an injury a, a oh, gro- so a groin like, hey, injury yeah, yeah pull the hammy groin injury yeah. and you try to do something excessive oh there it goes 
And then during the fight with the harpies, she uses blood magic and and subsequently suffers some side effects of using blood magic. So now she's blind and cannot move. And then I think... So it's a gift that just keeps on giving. That's just great. Kevin's character, which is a orc druid, is like down in all like hit points, I think, all strength points. I think he's one of his stats are all the way down. Oh and, good lord. And so now <laughs> these guys are like stupid game. And now uh they've moved forward. Why did we sign up to why did you sign up to play this game again? Is there a reason you want to do this? They're, they're trying to navigate. They're trying to find a graveyard. They think the graveyard is gonna have all the hidden treasure, right? All the dead bodies that are buried are gonna have the dead yeah. Dead tre- you know, buried treasure. So the undead's roaming around. They're they're distracting the undead. The undead walks off while the harpies gain the attention of the undead, and that's fine. They get around them, and now while they walk forward, they they did see some human activity going on, and they well, I don't know what's going on. So now behind them, as they moved up into the ruins, there's a group of four humans that are like, "Hey, what are you all doing here?" So now it's you know. Uh, an orc that's on the verge of being put down. You got Harrigan's caster who can't see or move fast. And then you've got the dwarf who's reeking you just of You're just practicing for the, Del- for the Delta Green game. You're just going <laughs> to pile on the woe until somebody collapses and keels over. You know, I'm, I'm all for everything you're doing, by the way. I'm not, I'm not going to deride you for that. I just either. think that... Scold. If the characters are going to sit too long in a particular spot, you give them a reason to move. Orcs attack. Ninja's kicking the door. So as long as they're moving, moving, moving. Harpy shit on your dwarf. That's a new one. What do you do? Harpy shits on your dwarf. (laughs) There we go. As long as they keep cooking. All right. Oh, yeah. I forgot Harrigan's character is also claustrophobic. That's awesome. Yeah. But, you know... his character's on the verge of that stuff going bye-bye in like a day, as long as he, she can get through the day. It's like a normal day. Like, if you can just get through the day. It's I'll like have, my work day. If I could just get through the day, I could get to the nap. All the would shit will be behind day. you, yeah, Brett. Yeah, exactly. So okay. how was your... I hope your Let's gaming see. was as eventful. It was pretty good. AJ and Lana, we wrapped up our first edition Frown Realms game. They fought and killed the Blue Dragon. So wait, wait, fun. wait, hold on a second, wait a minute. In a D&D <laughs> game, you're having them fight a dragon? And then directly after that, they had to go into a dungeon. <gasps> Shut your face off. Yeah, so it was dragons and then dungeons. That's fantastic, man. Played. I know. I knew you'd be proud because this is the second D&D game that had a dragon in it. So, there you are. I'm thoroughly impressed. I don't know I the last time, well, other than like, Horde of dra- the Dragon Queen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Where, where the outside of the tin says dragon to be fought in adventure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I'm glad they so let, did that. let off with that, I guess. So it killed the dragon, went down the dungeon, um, figured out how to um, destroy the demonic entity that was causing all the problems. It was touch and go. They, through creative use of a rope of entanglement, they bound the creature up. And then the creature said, well, ha-ha, I can shapeshift. It basically polymorphed itself very small to get out of the ropes. Ilana the thief goes, I drop the bag of holding on it immediately to scoop it up because it's small. She rolls an amazing hit. <clears throat> Got it, right? Snag. Grabs the little, grabs the little bugger. 
And then they decide what they're going to do is tear or stab the bag of holding because that'll destroy the bag of holding and whatever's in it. Well, they all woke up in the hold of some ship and like, what? what's going on? I don't understand. What's happening? They're in the bottom of a spell jammer because they got blasted off <laughs> through through the multiverses because the pocket of it, it just basically imploded on them and threw them somewhere else. And that's where we left the campaign. AJ's like, oh, I never thought about it. I just assumed explosion, not like implosion, suck us up into a new world type of thing. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what happened. So they had a blast with that. That was that was a lot of fun. Ilana and AJ had a lot of lot of fun. They're each playing two characters, and each of them had very distinct personalities. Like Ilana's mage was like, huh, that's interesting. We'll figure this out. New knowledge to be gained. I'll sort this out. And her thief was like paranoid i have to get home this is terrible and um they both developed enough personalities between their characters that you could tell when aj was speaking in a certain tone or way it was his druid versus his paladin you could tell so i was pretty proud of both of them for doing that so and then this last weekend i was up in at the cabin with my daughter lana and we played a card game called dark cults which is basically a cthulhu style um storytelling card game or one of you's life, one of you's death, and you're telling the story about this character. What happens, it's all, you know, all the tropes from a good Lovecraft story come into it. It's not a print game. God, I can't remember who built it. I know Motu Snow is one of the few people I know who's like, oh, I know that game, or I have a copy of it. Um, I have it, and I have the only expansion that they ever made for it as well. But um, it's a, it's fun. And a lot of it never played it before, so we played that a whole bunch. And then she was quizzing me while we were walking through the woods about how to improve how she sets up her stories for D&D because she's having a hard time running a campaign. So what I offered to do for her was I said, Let, let's you and I sit down. I can show you what I'm doing or what I used to do. And I can write it down with you, can help you build this thing. And I'll play with you and AJ. And she's like, well, that's going to suck, though, because then you'll know everything. I'm like, look, I've been doing this a long time. I will play a background PC. My job will be to support AJ as the primary character. I will be there to do two things. Support AJ, but primarily is when something happens, I can say, Lana, now's the time to use that chart we built. Or Lana, if I were you, I'd be doing this right now. And she thought that was a really cool idea. So, because she was really over overthinking it and very stressed out. And she's like, I just, I don't want to suck. And I blah, blah, blah. I'm like, look, I can't guarantee that just because what your old man tells you is going to make you not suck. I said, because I've had plenty of failures over the years. Don't, don't, don't take this as like, you know, the Lord is speaking, you know, from the mountain type of thing. But there's no reason we can't do that type of thing together. So, I mean, you I do said, have yeah. your own RPG podcast. So I, I do. It you, doesn't mean you I'm are any good. published as a, with an RPG yeah, but supplement. It's still, again, doesn't mean I'm any good. We've, you and I have both played with people. They've been around a lot longer, done a lot more. And they're terrible. True. So anyway, that was kind of cool. Um, this Saturday coming up, my buddies are coming over for a big Greyhawk game in person um, at my place. So that should be a lot of fun. They have started down the path to the return to the Tomb of Horrors. So they're getting there. It's they've got they've got a while to go yet because they've the characters that get to it need to be slightly higher level. I've also moved part of the, anybody's ever run that box set or know the set, where things are taking place and putting them in different locations across the Greyhawk world of Flannus because I want, um, 
it's different enough and it fits the campaign we're doing a little bit better. So now they're in a different duchy of Ernst, trying to go through different pieces and parts. Kind of in a desert. They're going to find. Um, I just it's it's cool. It's gonna it's working out really well. And the guys are having a blast about it. One of the guys, um, Nick's character, has become a paladin through dint of um, a, a d- divine aid by Cuthbert, and uh, he's like, "Ooh, I, I have like I'm high enough level now. I get the paladin's warhorse." How does that work? I'm like, well, I'll tell you how I remember it working. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> if you're going to be a dungeon guy at all, because then you've got this war horse. Because he's like, well, I don't suppose you want to do the like figuring of wonders power option. Like it just shows up whenever I need it. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's 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 a little too that's a little too kid kid uh, kid glove friendly. There. That I was wanna... good when we were younger. Yeah. Now I want you to make a hard. <laughs> now I want you to make a hard choice of like, do you really want a war horse? You had to leave outside the dungeon and hope to the gods that Brett just doesn't murder it for funsies while you're busy. Well, Brett wouldn't yeah. murder it. It would be something else inspired by Brett. Oh yes, I mean it'll end up dead for sure, but but it'll be there'll be a there'll be a clue on its corpse. So so there you got that going for you. Yeah, but yeah, that should that should be pretty cool. Um, I think that's about it, man. We good? Let's move on. Sure. Oh, announcements? Why? So the Delta Green experiment, man. We are the project, project project BS. Yes, the Delta, the Green, Delta experiment. Green experiment is the official. See, the thing is, we if we I kind of get I wanted to get things rolling, so I just took it upon myself. I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? I think I think we should record our our sessions. We we have to do audio we can't not. audio only. Yeah, we, we, we have to. We, we can't not do that. It has to be at least a bonus BS type of podcast. Sure. Otherwise, what's the freaking point to doing this, right. quite frankly? We'll get, we'll get Brett yeah. the software he needs, <clears throat> the one-click the one button. I'll, I'll help him set yep. it up, and we'll make that happen. And I'll, just I'll remember, maybe just remember I'm an IT director. That yep. means I don't know what I'm doing. Totally understand. And that's <laughs> okay. why you have some plebe come in there and do it for you. It's all, I get it. Exactly. I get yeah, it. Just, I understand. Just warning, just warning you. I don't want to <laughs> fuck it up. So one of the things we've been doing is Sean and I have been vacillating back and forth around the pick, right? What do we do? Which adventure and so on and so forth. I had a, an initial look at Lover in the Ice and I'm like, hmm, interesting. Sean and I were talking about it and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that one because Sean has read it a little bit more in depth than I had. And some of the descriptions of the horror and so forth, I'm like, you know what? That would be the type of game I would want to run with people I know better. And it's not that I don't know BSers, right? I know you, you, you men and women. I met a bunch of you. You're friends of mine or and Sean's. We've known you guys for years. But I also, I, I don't know who can end up playing with us and so on and so forth. And I went, well, I had a second pick, which was Hourglass. So right now I'm leaning, I'm thinking Hourglass. Um, Sean, is there something that you're thinking about or you're there, kind of? There is nothing that I'm itching. There's only one thing. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's not necessarily true what I was about to say. But there is one thing that I'm itching to run for Delta Green. Only one thing. Is that the big campaign, though? <laughs> it's the big one. Yeah, yeah. we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. No, so, we can't do that right now. So having said that, I don't have one of the scenarios, um, you know, cherry-picked for for just okay. this. Like, I would I would run pretty much any of them, necess- you know, Um 
So how do we want to do this, dude? Do you want to just... Because we, we got to get this going. I know we do. And that's why I was going to say we could, hey, you pick two, I pick two. We put it out to the BSers. We have them pick and then we vote and all this, which is fine and a great, our intention is a good one. But if we do that, then it's, we got to pick. So, Brett, when are you going to get yours in? Uh, probably late this week. When about you? I don't know. Whenever. Okay, great. Something happened. I got to get my mom to the doctors. I got to put go it out there. Yeah. Okay. What are the or do we BSers? say? Do we have enough? Do we give them a week to give us some suggestions? Okay, sounds good. Because we don't want to. Because we don't want to be dicks to our listeners too. Right. Our listeners are like, "Wow, I don't get I didn't get to it this week." Because of... so, so, do we just say scrap it and just go hourglass and just say, "Hey, that's the one." Hourglass. Just make an make an executive decision. <laughs> that's fine. Hourglass is fine with me. I'll yeah. Because you've not run it. I've not run it. No, I've not run any of them. Brett has not so, run any of them after I asked them probably for the second time. If he did, and then he says, yep, running. No, I, I, I roll my own, man. That's usually what I do. <laughs> Brett was a little more crass to show oh, I, I said anybody who runs a published adventure is obviously weak. No, right. I, I joke. To me. Knowing that Sean's. He was, Sean. he was directing no, that towards me. Knowing that Sean's pension is to run published stuff, which is totally fine. And I think, honestly, I'm, I'm, I've read a number of different Delta Green adventures over the years, like the stuff in Eyes Only. A lot of those were adventure seeds, though. They really weren't hmm. a full adventure adventure. So I'm thinking Hourglass right now. So, Do you know the premise of Hourglass offhand? Um, I had it up here. So I do. Hang tight. Um, in an internet video already viral, a harried-looking woman stands on a park bench in a small town park. She's crying and shouting at a handful of befuddled people. She says they live with a community that does awful things. They accept this community. They take its money, and it takes women and children. It takes them, and it, it suddenly, she vanishes, screaming in agony. Hourglass is a horrifying scenario for the Delta Green role-playing game, and so on and so forth. So, it re- it's... Um, it, it, I th- believe this one takes place in Oregon, I think. I think I've started reading that one as well. There's a few that I started reading and never got yeah. all the way through. And I think that's one of them where par- par- part of it is, uh, I think part of it is where they, they film this. One of the people, like a YouTuber, films this Yeah, one. that's the thing. It's this yeah. viral video. They just film her yeah. like ranting and then something horrible happens. But they literally say, yeah, on YouTube. And then it's like people, it's, yeah. So I know this one. But yeah, great. I'm down with that. Let's just do it. Because okay. if nothing else, I think it's, until I read the whole thing and run the whole thing, I won't know if it, quote unquote, is any good. Right. And quite frankly, I have yet to read anything from Arc Dream Publishing that I haven't been at least impressed with if not really impressed with everything that they've put out has been very well done thought-provoking good intelligent horror i think it's so what the hell let's do it all right, all right our, our glass it is so we made our another dun, dun, dun. move forward to to it because yep. we i mean we could get all this done like nice packaged up and still be like brett's like hunting I'm, season's coming up you know, well, that's the thing is that one, at least if we can get, we get these components p- figured out, what I think we should do next, Sean, is we need to talk about, we want to record it. So we figured out we were going to do audio recordings. We're going to do hourglass. That's great. We just solved that. The next thing we got to think about to come to next week is how do we want to do characters? Oh, do, do we want to do, we've talked about pre-gens and the, the pros, the cons when we first hashed this out, but let's talk about it. Do we want the players to do it? Do you, what do we want to do? Well, does that something you and I have to talk about? Or we just say, 
this is what I'm going to do. What are you going to do? See, that's it. Yeah, fair point. So I think then. I think we just make that a thing, right? Like we're going to yep. talk about. We, I mean, we have we have the scenario. We have kind of the time frame and the duration. Ballpark. Well, so it's the next piece here. Then what we do is we it's homework is go read the damn thing and figure out how you, what you want to do. Sure, that wall. That's probably a given. Yeah. No, no. I'm saying like immediate next step. It feels like let's go read it so right. we can come back and say, Sean, how are you going to run it? Well, I'm going to once I get the BSers lined up, we'll make characters in session zero. And I'll say, well, when I get my BSers lined up. I too will make characters in session zero, or I will give them pre-gens in session zero. And that way we are like, Oh, that's how you're doing it. That's how I'm doing it. Why are you doing that? Well, I feel that this way I can do blah, blah, blah. So what do you, are why we, don't gonna, we do that? Yeah. Well, are we going to start recruiting or what? Well, yeah, you we and I have to recruiting. talk about that probably a little bit. Yeah. We got to figure out how we want to re how we want to recruit. And I need to take a hard look at the calendar and make sure what I have makes sense. When are we going to start? Because it will not do any good. If I say, well, I've got this week in October, I'm going to be going bow hunting, and then there's this thing going on, and then shit, there's Game Hole Con. Are we are we going? Are we not going? What's going on with that? How's the the health situation? Fuck. So yeah, I think the next. So first things first, we've got um, we have the homework. We've Got to read the damn adventure. Got to read it. Got to do yeah. that. Get Check. our brains wrapped around it. Mary Track could do that sucker. And then next one is we get to figure out the when. So when yeah scheduling is when, a big when, one and then you put it out there and say hey this is when we're gonna run it yep. yeah scheduling is a big one i don't want because the last thing we want to do we've had a number of bsers and it's awesome that people are excited about this that's that's kind of cool i um sean's like right people want to do this i'm like that seems crazy to me i can't believe everybody but it's just awesome bsers want to play and we want to do this thing and we want to make sure that whatever date we pick we can adhere to to the best of our ability I don't want to say, yes, every Wednesday, oh, turns out this Wednesday I have Taekwondo. Oh, turns out that Wednesday I'm hunting. Turns out that Wednesday Sean has to do this other thing. Or, you know, we, we want to pick something that we can stick with. So we'll do that. So, so we've got homework and we got to pick times. So we can talk about that off, off the mic. So and if we'll you're interested out. and it happens to align, great. But don't read the, the scenario, everybody, now that you know what we're doing. And if you are yeah. known not to be a victim, I mean, a player in this experiment, then well, you know, knock yourself out if you want to know what it's That way about. you can you can play along at home with the home That's, version. The home version, <laughs> yes. The home version. Yeah. You can play along with us. As we roll the dice and make up horrible answers to smart questions. Okay, cool. We'll do that. Um, there we go. So, oh, so other uh, other gaming stuff coming up. So, this Friday yes. is some Streets of Avalon with our buddy Craig Shipman and the folks at Third Floor Wars. We'll That's be right. doing that. Sean will be in that game. That's going to be fun. I've got, I was given, I was talking about this before we started recording. And I think I may have freaked Craig out because you're still sick to us. I'm like, God damn, I'm behind. What I mean is I have my characters, I have my pre-gens built, which I have for the for the four players. I just need to get them ported into Roll20 and then share everything else uh, so we can get it done. We're going to, um, I talked to Craig about this initially, and hopefully Craig remembers this, as uh, do the other suckers that we, haha, or volunteers. I'm thinking it's probably going to take two sessions, Sean, is my theory. Cool. We'll see how far we get in session one, but it could easily go two sessions. But we shall see. Uh, some of it will be like, how long do we go? 
how happy are we and where we're at, or is this a good time to break, so on and so forth. But we'll we'll take care of all that as we go along. I've gotten some art to Craig. I owe him a few more pieces, which I'll be getting done tomorrow. So should be okay. I think we're gonna, I think it'll be fun. Should be a good time. So third floor wars Twitch stream August twenty seventh mm-hmm. Friday at eight p.m. Kicking it off. If you Correct. miss the live stream due to the dropping of this audio or what have you, because you didn't know about it, I know Craig. He puts it up on his YouTube channel. Yeah, and uh, Craig will also. I, I know him. He'll be. He'll hit his Twitter feed, yes. our Twitter feed, individual Twitters, and all that good stuff. So. We'll do our best to get traffic towards it so people can see it, listen, and have a good time with us. So, I heard um, it's going to be very interactive, like like, like uh, ask, the Rocky Horror ask. Picture Show. Like, they throw toast at the screen. That like would be if weird. We, if we, you know, we'll do the time warp. Like, there's the streets of Avalon warp dance. So, so, so this is a message to Craig. If um, I need that ringer, so that way when... We have to kill Sean's mic and camera. We can just bring in the other guy. So I'm just telling you, just Craig. Plan Omega is is a go. What? What? Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) So let's let's do a brief bit on uh, GameOlcon. So GameOlcon, GameOlcon GameOlcon.com. Right now, um, due to Delta variant and other things with COVID, Dane County, which is the county in Wisconsin in which GameOlcon is hosted, is under a mask mandate. So, according to the publications that I've been reading from GameholeCon, it's like, look, you have to be vaccinated to go. And look, the rules are the rules. If the county says mask up, y'all ain't got a choice. Because if nothing else, they as a venue do not have a choice. If they would ever like to, say, run another convention in that county again type of thing, right? You don't want to get in violation of. I do not know what's going to happen or how will it get worse? Will they shut things down? Because we're talking thousands of people as opposed to hundreds at this convention. So I don't know what's going to happen. So Sean, I've been talking about this off the mics is like, okay, what are we going to do? Um, I'm still debating personally what I, what I will or won't do because I want to make sure I'm having fun. If I'm going to a gaming convention, I want it to be a good time. I don't want to be this, the selfish part of me doesn't want to be inconvenienced. The unselfish part of me is like, if it's really not a good idea to gather in large groups, this is this might not be a good idea. I don't know, so I am very much on the fence, and I don't mean, I, I don't mean to cause anybody heartache or, or any panic about that. I just I don't know what's going to happen, and because things seem to be okay for a while, and then it just got dumb for lots of reasons. Anyway, um. I, I think if I'm not going, Sean, I'm not a big virtual con guy. What I would almost rather do is find out which BSers had signed up for a game of mine and then find other BSers and just fill a damn table and run it that way is kind of where what my head goes to. So if like, <clears throat> let's say Craig and Eileen signed up for a Streets of Avalon game of mine and for whatever reason... Brett's Game Hole Con or Game Hole Con in general doesn't happen the way people expected it to and so forth. I, I don't know what I'd do. I'm almost thinking of like, you know what, let's find a different game time. Maybe I would run it virtually for the virtual Game Hole Con. I don't know. So, Sean, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but that's just kind of, I just, I want to be brutally honest to the listeners. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to turn into. So, I'm watching, waiting, but I'm a thinking cap trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do. 
it's a con know. it's a con that we promote it's our home con and mm-hmm. we are excited to to want to go however given the situation like brett said and one of the concerns we have is people making the trek and having some expectations and all of a sudden brett and sean aren't there yeah which would which would suck but we also want people to be safe number one mm-hmm. and we i mean that's that's it kind of period and a discussion with that regard and frankly it's a very masks no masks vaccinated non-vaccinated if somebody feels uncomfortable then we want them to be okay be you know doing what they need to to get through exactly if you need the other thing that's quite possible too is we could have some listeners like hey I wanted to play in your game or some friends of ours. Hey, I was signed up for your game, but I don't feel comfortable going to the con anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to support you. Right. 100%. Whatever you feel you've got to do to maintain your health, happiness, and those around you too. I do not know what everybody's home situation is, right? Right. Um, my buddy Lenny, um, his mom is going through chemo right now, right? She has stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma. So they're trying to figure out what they can do to control stuff, how this work, and so on and so forth. This may be a terrible time for him because he is power of health attorney and so forth for his mom. He needs to be able to go to the bloody hospital to see her, get her to appointments and so on. This might be a terrible time for him to go to a convention if there is such a rise. He's vaccinated and so forth. But if it's bad, would he want to risk that? This is his mother, right? Right. And I don't know what other people have, whatever's in your home, whatever you're dealing with. And again, none of my fucking business. Just using that as an example. And I think I think you're dead right, Sean. We want people to do what is comfortable for them, and I want them to, to feel good about their decision. And um, even if at the last minute, if I if, if I show up at Game Con, I sit down, and I got one player because everybody else felt it wasn't safe enough for them to be there, I'm not going to be mad. I swear to God, I'm not. Like, you know what? You did what you needed to do for yourself and your family and your loved ones. Good. Do that. Do the right thing. Anyway, I think that's about it. All right. Should we talk about, ha- let's talk about happier shit. Random encounter. Let's All go. right. Random encounter. Kicking it off. Like, here we go. Submit to the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media. Brett always yes, has, oh shoot. Brett always has me go and now I cannot see the letter. Oh my goodness. Hold on a second. Bear with me just a minute. Boom. All right. Sweet. First one, David B comments on homework and commitment. My current DM is good about assigning homework to those of us, uh, to those of us who enjoy it, as well as finding other ways to engage the players who don't. I've written about gnomish culture from my wizard's perspective, outlined a mystical codex, which I will eventually write out. I have a couple of novels to finish first and have developed backgrounds for cities and countries in our homebrewed world. Sometimes when we only have a couple players, we run a game of Microscope or The Earth Below to flesh out another aspect of the world. We all have jobs, families, and other non-gaming th- uh, things in our lives, so there is an understanding of things aren't done. This rolls in with the gaming commitment episode. I'm not as hardcore as I used to be, but still com- commit to gaming nearly every week. Again, it's not always easy with life circumstances, and lately it's rare that the entire group is available each Tuesday. It was so much easier when we were teenagers. 
for sure. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. It is. Live it up, kiddos. Exactly. Why are you not gaming all the time? When you're 30, it will go away. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, going back a few episodes, I'm happy with that Brett allowed the easy win when his players poisoned the Draco Lich. Lich. Lisk. Lisk. It was a Draco Lisk. It's a, yeah, it's a black dragon and a basilisk combination. There will always be other challenges and most will be tougher than planned. The players have earned their levels and deserve to get lucky and flex their power now and then. Years ago, I got lucky disintegrating a lich when it rolled a two on the save. We spent a couple of days in-game going through diaries and destroy destroying phylacteries, and my necromancer took the library in lieu of treasure. Either we got all the phylacteries, or the DM decided not to bring the lich back. I appreciate listening to you guys every week. I enjoy your insights, and even after nearly 40 years of gaming, I'm still learning new things or sometimes relearn things I've forgotten over time. Good luck with your Delta Green competition. I'm sure your players will be the winners. David Baylog. Thanks, David, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. I think we've had a couple different comments on the on the whole commitment component to it. And I think it is interesting. We there's a level of um, you know serious hardcore blah blah blah, and there and there are fun words to throw. Yeah, I'm pretty hardcore, man. I got a big gaming collection, so on and so forth. Or I I do this, I do that, and I think it comes down to you know a lot of a lot of the same types of things I see when my kids are at cons, when AJ and Lana. Were at Gamehole Con last. They gotten a copy of. Alana had a copy of Bunnies and Burrows, and the guys from um, from Frog God wandered by and saw my daughter sitting at the BS booth and walked up and said, "Hey, have you played before?" And they they see me stand there. Is this your daughter? Yep. Um, okay. Hey. Yeah. Is uh, have you played this before? No. I'm really interested in it. And he said, "I'll tell you what. I'll be right back." He wanders back and gives her an adventure and says, here, you need this because this is a really, really good starting adventure, so on and so forth. So he just, in her, he talked to her about her game experience, what she's played and so forth, and never once did any did I, either of the guys say, oh, once you've been playing for a while or once you have more experience, they just did nothing but validate the fact that my daughter was a gamer. That sounds like you've been having fun is this the first time you played this type of game? Yeah. Well, let me tell you a couple things about this type of game because it sounds like you're already doing some cool stuff. That was the language that was being used. And I think there, as I read the comments that the listeners are giving back to us on commitment and whether hardcore or not, I think there's um, well, the cool things I love about our community is, and some other decent gaming communities out there do the same thing, is I, I don't give a shit how long you played, man. You're here playing now? That's all that matters. Are you having fun right now? Yeah. So my questions when I try to ask somebody, have you played this yet? Isn't questioning your hardcore nature or are, are you dedicated enough? And I think what I need to do is start changing my terms and asking people, have you had the opportunity to try this yet? As opposed to have you yet? Because have you yet indicates that there's like a, a, a box you need to tick, right? It's like this thing. So I think after reading this stuff, it just came to me again with David's uh David's note. I think I'm going to do that, Sean. I'm going to try to change my vocabulary there a little bit. So when I'm asking people, have you done this yet? No, 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 no. Have you had the opportunity to try this? Because depending where you're at, the opportunities may not be there. You know, 
or hey, if you get a chance, try. You know, I think um, it, I, I've heard that language from other BSers around this topic, and it just um, anyway that that story in David's comments here just brought that back to my mind. So I want to throw that out there. So anything you got on there? No, no, I think you're right when it comes to verbiage, though. It's it's we have we we have ways that we convey what we're getting at, but in the way that we convey it sometimes is can be misinterpreted sometimes by yes. the other person, the receiving person that's like, you know, no, I'm not here with my boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, are you a Absolutely. gamer? Like, well, you know, um, very I'm at a gaming innocent. convention. Yes. <laughs> very innocent. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean that. I didn't, that wasn't my intention. That was, that's not yep. what I, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, let me re rephrase. Right. Like, so there are some things as, you know, the guy group from the eighties that grew up always Doing, playing yeah. with the guys because, you know, that's the way it's always been. It's just, oh, now you go to conventions and, you know, there's different types of games and it's, yeah. Yeah. There absolutely. you go. I, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was good stuff. And David, thank you for listening all this time, man. I appreciate it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Sean and I both appreciate it, not just me. Yes. No, actually, I do. I appreciate you more than Sean does. That's fair. Don't ever, don't ever let him tell you different, David. Brett gives it his all. Plus more. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Except that Sean does 90% of the work. I just talk. It's okay. <laughs> that allows me to do a lot of different things without Brett's approval. So. That's very hey, true. Brett, I'm going to send out a newsletter. I'm going to put all this stuff in it. Like, no. Really? What are you doing? Yeah, Brett hey. doesn't know until he gets it. So. Well, look at that. Wow, we're amazing. That's well, I guess we're doing this now. <laughs> Thanks for including me and looping that, Sean. You're welcome, Brett. All right, what do we got here? <coughs> Phil comments on homework next here. He says, Brett, don't let Sean fool you. He demanded a full-on thesis statement for our last Forbidden Lands game, which required I develop a genealogy going back five generations, describing the trials and tribulations of my Dwarven clan during the 300-year blood nest. It was the most demanding essay I've ever had to research and write since university. I'm still waiting for the official grade on the paper. All kidding aside, uh, this homework has provided a lot of benefit to the new campaign. It's pro provided initial insights and motivations in the character, which helped determine how I've role-played some of our initial encounters. I think Sean may have used some of that info to develop the starting quest for each of us in the group. I believe you did, Sean, for your total aside here. I think you, you told me you were doing that, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know... Maybe, maybe we don't. Well, they'll just have to play to find out. I they'll guess. Have to keep playing know. to find out. Mm -hmm. Now that we're rolling, I'd be interested to see how Sean incorporates our homework answers in the campaign, and to what degree. Speaking for myself, if it becomes a significant part of the game, great. If not, no big deal. Sometimes just the motivations are enough to push the game at the table in interesting directions. So long as the way I play those motivations don't become a hindrance or distraction to the group, it's all good. Ultimately, the story told at the table and the fun had by all is the most important part of the game. Absolutely, Phil. And I think there's a piece you have here, and I don't know if we really nailed it home or did a good job talking about it, but I think when it comes to homework, if you're asking your players to do it or you're providing homework and so forth, if this is something that's going on, if it doesn't get used, it feels like homework, right? It feels like that question, when am I going to need this? <laughs> you know that's that we that somebody in class always asked some teacher at some point when you were learning 
algebra or something. When the hell am I going to use it? Then you figure out later on life you do indeed. But but with this type of thing, if you're if you put effort into it, and the the game master or the player says, "Hey, we should do X as a homework assignment," so you do it, and it never rears its head again in the game in any way. Can you feel cheated? Like you wasted time. And time is one of the most precious commodities, as David mentions, and we've talked about for commitment and other things. So do your best to make your homework assignments matter so that they don't ever appear like a waste of time, I think is some, is kind of what Phil's saying here. And I think that's pretty wise. That's good stuff. Yeah. Sean? <laughs> no pressure. So I'm going to um, go back so and Phil, read that shit and see what so, you <laughs> so, Exactly. So Phil, just so you know, I've been, uh, this was me prodding Sean publicly to make sure that he takes that 500 page essay you wrote and put it into practice for you. Yeah. Over to you, sir. Public shaming definitely has its impact on Sean. Nothing else gets through to me. No, not no. usually, no. no. I've told him I love him. I care about him. Um, I send him money. He doesn't care. I no. just, I, I verbally dress him down in public. That works. Yeah. Very effective. He's ex-army. He, he's ex-army. What else? What, well, that's what you got to do. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> that's right. Basic training all over again. You're worthless. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I am worthless. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard that. Thank you. Heard that the first 10 times. Harrigan, <laughs> Harrigan comments on uh, dedicated versus serious uh, RPG. Really enjoyed this episode. To me, it's like all hobbies. Some folks dabble. Some go all in. Some are obsessed. It's a tough hobby in that live play requires finding other humans who like the games you do to play with committing to players regularly and consistently and all the things Brett, Sean, and Butterpants talked about in that episode. For me personally, I reached a moment after playing RPGs via play-by-post almost exclusively for 20-plus years when I decided I really wanted double to double down and focus on the hobby. That meant getting back into live at the table and now virtual gaming. And that meant I had some decisions to make regarding my me time. I was into all sorts of different nerd hobbies, comics, board games, television and movies, computer games, and RPGs. I made a conscious decision to trim the time spent on these other hobbies way back so I could focus on RPGs. And you know what? I couldn't be happier. Like many BSers, I draw inspiration and ideas from a bunch of other mediums, so it's not like I don't still mess with other parts of the Nerdlandia, but my focus is heavily on RPGs, and it's been super rewarding to have that focus pay off. Anyway, dedication is a positive thing. There you go. That's good stuff. I, I think there's there's a cool piece he has in here, which I, I, I'm, I'm pulling out here again, is this concept that <clears throat> if you want to focus on one, doesn't mean you have to neglect or walk away from all the others. Now, some people need slash want to do that. And I, I don't understand where some of those folks are coming from or why they want to do it. But I have had people say, you know what? The only way for me to really do this is I kind of just stop doing X. And that's totally fine. And um, But I know for me in the nerd hobbies, in the, the RPGs, comics, and stuff, I stay attuned to a number of those things through different mediums and stuff. I just don't dive deep into the comic books like I used to back in the day. But I do understand, um, I guess I, I should say, that just came to me. I mean, I, Sean and I don't ride motorcycles anymore. And um, one of the reasons why I decided that I was going to bail on that was because I wanted to have more time for hunting. So because, I wanted more time <clears throat> in life. <laughs> <laughs> Sean preferred to live. 
I just wanted to go kill things. So it's kind of a kind of a yin yang thing between Sean and I. You know. But anyway, it was kind of so I do understand that. Sometimes depending what the the hobby, the thing you're doing, if it doesn't have a a cross in, like some of the the Nerdlandia stuff as Eric calls it, right? It's so adjacent, right? I know enough about Doctor Who to have a brief conversation and be enthralled with people who are really into Doctor Who. I can get it and have a good time with it. But it's not like being an RPGer and all those other components in that nerd space and then also a muscle car person or really into something else. I just, I, I, it's not that those things don't mix. It's just the way Brett's brain works is it's just, it, it's harder to cross some of the streams. So I guess I do, I do understand it. I shouldn't have said I didn't. But anyway, I think that th- this is, this is cool. You can, one of the cool things about this hobby is that it ties into lots of other stuff. Lots of other stuff. And this actually reminds me, Sean, I got a topic I want to talk to you about, um, about prep anyway. We'll talk about that later. But anyhow, good stuff. Thank you, Harrigan. Very nice. Let's see the warden comments on player feedback. This is episode 352. Years and years ago, before we kept track of time, <laughs> I got into a discussion with a player about how much could be accomplished with free actions in a single turn. He felt there are too many limitations on what a player could do outside of combat and wanted to be one of those players hopped up on sugar smacks and cocaine. In 30 seconds, you can enter a room, search it thoroughly for treasure, talk with others, and crack open a chest, he said firmly. I asked him to go in the kitchen, the next room in my house, and fetch me a drink in a can. No pouring or prepping, anything required. I timed him. He came back in something like 34 seconds. <laughs> that took you a whole turn, and you didn't even make it back in time to finish your turn with my drink in my hand, I rebutted. So it took you a whole turn to enter a room, without a door, I might add, open the fridge, a chest, grab an item, and return here. And you have to wait until next turn to give it to me. Are you sure about doing more things in a single turn? It was an eye-opener for all of us and started with player feedback. I mean, it was more whining than feedback, but it was a point of feedback brought forth by a player. Because of that, we realized we were being a little too loose with the interpretation of free actions and started to put a cap on it. The reason why I bring this up is that I've gone years thinking of this as a moment where I, the almighty GM, put a player in their place. In hindsight, the moment has altered how I run nearly all RPGs with regards to balancing player accomplishments. Making sure everyone is doing an equal amount of deeds and accomplishments per turn. Even if the game doesn't tightly manage action types or anything to that effect, it just goes to show your player feedback can have amazing ripple effects on their gaming style for the better. Oh, but I dumped that player <laughs> in like the next session. Turns out he was bad-mouthing me to other players outside the game about how I didn't know what I was doing. He could do a better job. We're cool. We're badasses. Blah, blah, blah. So remember, kids, player feedback is when you bring it to the GM's face and not behind their back like a rogue with severe backstabbing compulsions. Wow. What a dick. <laughs> not you. Not you, but that guy. Wow. I tell you, man, this story reminds me the first Gen Con I ever went to in Milwaukee. There was, I think I've told this story a number of times. I know Sean's heard it from me before. They had a table set out with adventuring gear. And the whole purpose was, what does a first level fighter carry? What was it average? So you listed it all out. They crammed a backpack and this young um, 20-something girl, lady, I should say, they, we coated her in plate mail, chain coifs, swords, mirrors, potion bottles, shield, and... Uh, we said, wow, that's what you got to carry all the time, huh? And uh, <laughs> someone said, so where's your coin purse? Ah, crap. Uh, where did I 
was, it was hilarious. just the, the concept of what it really looks like to take all this crap and pile it on one person. It was hilarious. It was a ton of fun. And it was, it's a lesson that stuck in my head of the encumbrance concept, right? Is you can't carry everything all the time. Uh, I, I love this, Todd. <laughs> Sending him into the room to get you a soda. That's fucking gold. Gotta man. send him into a, a, a different room and tell him to find you the soda and yeah. assume it's not a refrigerator where yeah. a soda would probably be right on a shelf. I give him a newspaper and a match and say, okay, you have to light this. Do not turn on the lights. <laughs> and you should do this by candlelight. <laughs> it's all about simulationism. Let's get it's all about simulationism. Brass tax. But I think that's pretty cool. That is the type of feedback we didn't touch on, and I think that's I think that's important because sometimes that type of information definitely can can impact how you do it. Just my silly story about that encumbrance seminar was a short, sweet little thing, but it really impacted. Like, holy fuck, you can't carry all that stuff. I always thought you could just strap a broadsword to your back. If you've ever done that and actually tried to draw the damn thing, it's not impossible unless your arms are six feet long. It's really really hard. I have a broadsword and a sheath over yonder. It's not easy to do. Hell, it's strap. not even easy to. It's not. I have. It's not even easy to strap it on your hip and like walk around the room without knocking shit over because you've got this four feet of steel banging into everything behind you. You need fighter so, training, though. That's what you need. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, good stuff, sir. Thank you. Over to you, sir. All right. Last but not least, Jared Rasher. This was the email I talked about last episode about his. It mentioned, I think this is a dedicated gamer where we mentioned Chris Bivey's dilemma. Oh, yeah. He's the um, the gentleman from uh, uh, Harlem Unbound. Correct. The uh, Yes. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And so ah, I yes. wanted to include that. Uh, stuff. So Jared says, one of the unfortunate situations that Chris ran into when he tried, um, when he, where am I? Oh, tried one of his streamed games of Haunted West was that he had some big name people lined up to play in his game, including Matt Mercer. However, one of Chris's goals is for people to play a uh, person of color to learn. Yeah. However, one of Chris's goals is for people to play people of color to learn empathy about them by playing them as protagonists in the game. But when the internet found out that Matt would be playing a person of color uh instead of looking at it from the standpoint of playing a person of color to learn about their perspective it was viewed as the same paradigm as a white actor playing a person of color character which is weird because while rpgs are similar to performances and streaming blurs that line it's not quite the same that stream never ended up happening that said I've seen Chaosium sponsor various streams to boost the visibility of Call of Cthulhu, but I haven't seen them use either Chris's product or Chris as part of these of these promotions. I'm not saying that Chaosium is doing anything intentionally nefarious, but they did publish second edition as an official supplement. And so it might be nice for the company itself to work it into their widening promotional efforts. Online streaming and visibility, however, are weird. D6 Star Wars gets mentioned by big-name Star Wars creators all the time. Filoni, etc. And it gets highlighted as being the origin of a lot of the setting in various articles on the official site. But you can almost never hear 
Uh, but you almost never hear Lucasfilm referencing Fantasy Flight games. And when they do, it's usually something like the X-Wing Miniatures game. Sam Witwer, professional actor and the voice of Darth Maul, not only in Clone Wars and Rebels, but also in Solo, ran a streaming game for the voice actors on the Rebels animated series. And I almost never hear people talking about it in regard to streaming RPGs. That should have been huge. So I guess what I'm saying is I have no idea how this hobby works and who ends up getting the nod and who doesn't. I'm happy that Magpie is having a massive Kickstarter with the Avatar RPG, but I never would have predicted that level of success. I don't know if anyone can fully comprehend what takes off and what doesn't and what draws from outside the hobby and what doesn't. That's a lot of information I had no clue about, Jared. Thank you very much. Um, and Jared does his research, so I absolutely trust what he's talking about here. The other thing that's interesting is, <clears throat> this brings to mind John Wick's 7C. 7C was a game I kind of knew about in the background. When he made like a million plus dollars on the Kickstarter, I'm like, who the fuck plays that game? Really? That many who fucking played that game? I, have, I still to this day do not know anybody that played the first edition. I've met people who've talked about it, but I personally have, I have no friends no BSer that I've met or has said anything to me has said, hey, Brett, I am I totally played the hell out of that. We ran many campaigns. You know, we loved that system, that game, that world. I don't know anybody. Now, this is one, you know, aging white dude at saying this sentence. Obviously, it's just me. But I still, wow, what the fuck? That one really took. And then Chaosium owns 7C now. And John, we're, so, okay, interesting. How the hell is that? I, to Jared's point, I don't know how the hell this thing works either. I don't get it. It's the weirdest thing. Owen Owen Casey Stevens been around a little while in the RPG industry, and I have no uh, idea who that is. He has. I'm, I'm he, saying that in just yeah, another example. Right. Of, you, you're saying the name, and I'm like, it should mean something, and I don't. So again, I <laughs> he, keep going. Keep going. He's got bits and pieces, almost like Bruce Cordell, like almost. A little bit of mm -hmm. everywhere. And one of the things he mentioned recently on Twitter was 90% of the pe pe or people that are talking about the RPG hobby and industry, 90% of them have no idea what they're talking about, yet they say they know what they're talking about. Like, they have no insight into any of the hobby. And I'm like, hey, man, I feel as though you're talking to me. <laughs> You. Well, I think what <laughs> there's a difference between talking about gaming and the gaming industry. And we've and we've said this around the whole the whole Chris um, discussion here that we've had <clears throat> is that neither you nor I, I have very minor with Streets of Babylon, very limited knowledge in publishing an RPG. Right? It's a one it's one thing that was done working with Encoder to do other stuff, but it's very very small. Um. Never been published by Chaosium. Don't know what that feels like. I, I don't know, you know. Uh, and you've I, I never and you've never published something and had Chaosium put a C and D on you. Yes, exactly. I've like never some had people C &D. have. So. Yeah, like a friend of ours. Yes, like Dave did. You know, <laughs> that's I, right. I, it just it's crazy. I, I don't understand how certain things. I remember when uh, to go back to John Wick when he wrote Orc World, which is ages back, and um, he, the way he spelled it. Games Workshop hit him with a CND and said, You're using that word. And he had a conversation Space with Marine, them. Space Marine. And they said, and he said, Hey, this is the deal. 
And this is like just before he's going to Gen Con is the story. And I remember reading this article from him and he's like, I'm just waiting. They're going, do I get to go to Gen Con? Can I sell this book or am I going to get sued? And they wrote him back and said, hey, sorry about the sorry about the delay. Sounds like uh, sounds like a cool game. Hope you have a good time with it. Carry on. You're cool. We're good. So they were really nice about it. But they were like, at first, this is RIP. Hold on a second. Tell me your story. Huh. Interesting story, John. Have a good time. That was absolute paraphrasing or sum upping, whatever you want to call it. No, no, there's too much. Let me sum up. Um, I, I think I think Jerry's. I have no idea how this hobby works or who ends up getting that and who doesn't. I think a lot of industries operate like that. I work in the IT space. I, as we've said before, so does Sean. And there are certain things you and I have sat there. We know a lot of people around us who have different jobs or been promoted or lost jobs and so on and so forth. And we can look at each other and go, how the hell did this person get let go? Did nobody know that if it weren't for her, this, this, and this would have, uh, all right, whatever. You I don't, don't know how it. people get promoted. I don't know how they get hired. And I'm telling you from the front line, man. As a recruiter, I don't know how they interviewed them. I have hired for them. Yes. I have. Dude, I hire and interview people in my department. And sometimes I'm like, okay, that worked. This right. doesn't. It's it's wonky. Yeah. It's so, a wonky, wonky thing. And it's and unless you have years, decades studying managing the thing i i don't think you can speak intelligently about no, it no i that's for sure we're arm we're armchairs but hey i can armchair all day they got fantasy sports can. and freaking businesses set up to just do yeah. to do just that I'm, what the hell i am self-credentialed i had a guy that i worked <laughs> with um I, I work with now he was giving me he said, hey, you want to be in my fantasy football league? I said, no, I already played D&D. &D. I got a game. He goes, well, that's not the same thing. I said, the fuck, it's not, dude. And I explained to him, he goes, oh, Christ, I'm a nerd. I said, you got there right here, nerd. Just erase it and move Sports on, man. I just, nerd! <laughs> I'm just telling you, I don't have enough time for another D&D &D game. I already have a few going. He's like, huh, maybe I should try that D&D &D thing. <laughs> See, you're halfway there. You're already you're already there. It's, you're, you've got imaginary footballs. I, I have imaginary swords. It's, you know, a lot of, a lot of impact. Anything else? No, I think we're good, man. Shall we? Yeah, we better get going into the main topic. <laughs> All right, Brett. So one of the things, kind of a short topic here, and I think it's interesting because we're, it, it's like when you do theater of the mind, a lot of times we talk about you know the power of description, and we've gone through that many times in different variations over the last Sean was just reminding me almost seven years of doing this. Um, but there's this really cool thing now. We've also talked about this, like with the uh, the tablets and the laptops at tables and stuff. I'm very fortunate. My home gaming room, I actually have a TV up on the wall where I can broadcast images and stuff. There's some amazing, amazing gaming art that's out there, right? People are getting custom work done from their character sheets. They're, they're buying art packs. They're doing really cool things. Games are coming with handouts. Like, and you've got these great PDFs. You can flash this stuff up. It's just, it's wonderful. And without having to print it out, right? And even your games, uh, your roll twenties and your virtual tabletops, you have all these wonderful graphics that you can, that you can put forward. And I think when, when I say theater of the mind, my group, understands 
that means Brett might haul a picture out every once in a while, right? And I think some people, um, if they've been doing a very tactical game, right? If you've been on Roll20, a lot of pogs, minis, however you're doing it, a lot more tactical, as, as Sean and I often call it, you know, with, with the grid and all that good stuff. And it's a good time. It's a lot of fun. I play a lot of games like that. And people get nervous going to theater of the mind because, like, I have to describe everything. What if I fuck this up? What if I misdescribe something? And there's a litany of horror stories about somebody who, some game master took advantage of you because you failed to do a proper description, or a player who took advantage of a game master advertently or inadvertently forgetting something and didn't even mean to take advantage of you, blah, blah, blah. The list goes on. But I think what we need to realize now is, especially in this, wonderful golden age of gaming we're in is that there are some wonderful images that we can use and leverage um we talk about it sometimes even shortcuts of description when you look at somebody and say you guys have all seen lord of the rings right yes you know seeing a weather top you know remember what weather top looked like when the hobbits and they were all attacked by the ring race yeah okay so take the ring race out but that's what the area looks like okay and th there's a red moon instead of a white moon but it's like that area with a red moon behind it. Anybody out there who's seen that movie goes, okay, click, 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 add, change, delete. You have it in your head. You're good. But sometimes you're trying to describe something, um, a, a scene, an image, a, a weird-ass monster, or some of these crazy horror things and whatnot, and sometimes just a flash of an image is wonderful. A sketch of a, a, sketch of a neighborhood, or even a... Um, um, a cityscape that made it's not necessarily to scale it's something like a larry elmore would do or a, a keith parkinson from back in the day some of that stuff having those images can be amazing because it gives you you can flash it up however you're doing it print it out whatever you're doing and it has this ability to focus everybody's attention for me when it go if i've ever handed something out to people I throw it up on the TV, a monitor, whatever I'm doing, drawing on a whiteboard, whatever's happening, it, it draws focus in a theater of the mind game for me anyway. I think that's one of the largest benefits of it. It gives you then a focal point, and then people start asking, is that what I really see? Is that piece of graffiti on that door really there? Yes, the graffiti is really there. Everything you see in this picture is really there, or it's just like this, but slightly different or whatever. And I think it, it speeds certain scenes or difficult descriptions in a theater of the mind game. Do you use this type of thing, Sean? And does that resonate with you? So are you talking about actually presenting the, the graphic image to the crew or are you, yep. you are okay. Yep. I'm talking about in-game presentation. So this, this weekend when the guys are at my house, I have a number of images. Every time I have a monster that they fight, I find in my PDFs of the monster manuals, the first edition stuff, where I'll scan a copy of it, the original monster drawing, the, the Trampier stuff, the Sutherland stuff, because of the nostalgia component of it. And it's been a lot of fun to show this is an ogre because the cool, they see the, the monster. Cool beholder from Monster Manual. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's guys like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> oh my God, and for sure. <laughs> we got to remember that was like the, the, the person in the office who knew how to draw better right. than anybody else often did those things. Yes. But the other thing that's fun is like the first time I threw up an ogre from the first edition of Monster Manual, it has like a bat-shaped ear. There's these weird um, animalistic, like a weird dew claw coming off the leg and like these three-toed claw. It, 
doesn't look like an ogre that we're very used to seeing in uh, more modern or newer versions, not modern, but newer versions of the art. So a couple guys went, what the fuck is that? Is that a giant or is that some kind of a chaos beast or something? And Lenny's like, oh, that's the ogre. That's the first edition ogre. But oh my, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I I'd show up a picture of a Hecuba or um, whatever. It's just different, right? It, ha it has this wonderful effect for my for my group of every time I throw that out there, they go, oh my God, that's what that is? And when I was running um, Streets of Avalon the first couple times with my crew, I really wanted to make sure that they got into the moat. The, the mood and the tone so i didn't i went through and i printed out a shit ton of just different pictures that were thematically appropriate and i did the like grade school science whiteboard thing little trifold board and i thumbtacked them all over the place i would put it up behind me or next to me as reference I would often point to them as like, it looks like this, or you see this image, it's similar to, or the tone of this image. It's not this, but this tone or this feel. All those pictures really help to kind of force the tone during the game. And tone can be wickedly difficult, as we've talked about, to maintain. So that's what I'm chatting through here. Do you do that type of thing, or is that is that not your style? You're just you're so verbose in your descriptions, you don't even need any help. Training wheels, you say. Bah! It's going to come as a surprise to you, Brett, but that is not the case. That is not the case. Wow. It is. I am not that verbose. No. No, okay. I know. Shocker, right? But do you do you actually do do you pull pictures out and hand them to folks type of I, thing? Or? I have some that I have started acquiring to wow. use wow. in my Forbidden Lands game wow. just for that particular reason. Now, the guys have gone into an area where I was like, oop, don't have that yet, right? So it's kind of going to... Kind of go with it right here. Plus, in Forbidden Lands, it's a little trickier because you don't know where they're going to go. So mm -hmm. you have to kind of, for me, I have to go, ooh, I probably need some of these, probably need some of these, probably need some of these, because eventually they'll come across them. But it isn't specific to, oh, they're going to Weathertop, so I need to get a picture of Weathertop, unless I know, unless I know that, right? If they're going to a site, right? I know that's in that hex. Chances are, if at the end of the adventure, I say, hey, the next time you venture out, are you going to go northwest, south, northwest, mm -hmm. east? Which way are you going to go? And they say, we're going to go into that next one. That's where we have to go next. Then I could say, great. Then I can say, now I can perhaps get the prep. picture. Yeah. Right. So and hope it, to God they don't decought that they were going to go south instead. Which they probably would anyway, just to be like, hey, Sean, we had second <laughs> thoughts. To be the, just to be those players. Fantastic, right? guys. But so, yes, I have. And what... So the point is to provide that as a backdrop, because I'm running theater of the mind. I'm not doing tactical stuff. So it is that thing. It's that image board that you, that you uh, mentioned is mm -hmm. what the, that I would be going for. But one of the things that I think, so you take the image, imagery out of it, mm -hmm. and the board away, and you sit there. So I had this trouble this past, these guys probably know, I had a trouble explaining what the ruins look like that they're traveling through. So I'm like, yep, it's ruins. Okay, great. So what's it look like? All right. Well, it's, 
It's ruins. Are like, they? It's old. Yeah, is it blocks? Is it blocks of stone? Is it like Roman style ruins? Are they Celtic style ruins? Are they? And depending how where ruined at, are they? And depending what you're doing or what what's led up to it, sometimes it actually matters. Yeah, of course it does. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't yeah. care, right? You know. Yeah, or they're they're trying to glean data and stuff, so it makes Correct. sense. Anyway, carry right. on, carry on. Right, exactly. Get the question. And I've been, I have been there myself, sir. We all have. So yes, absolutely. One of the things I wanted to do is kind of say this, this here, this is what you're kind of seeing this type, right? It's not, it's not all built. It's not all buildings. It's not, you know, oh, here's four walls, but they're all crumbled. It's literally mm-hmm. like part of a wall in a corner. You know, that's it. Mm-hmm. What does the rest look like? Well, it's overgrown. There's mounds. It's uneven ground because erosion and shit that has covered everything. So you're hoping when you convey that info to them, you're trying to see it in your brain and you're trying to take that and explain it to them and what it looks like and hope that they somewhat construct a similar image, even though it doesn't have to be one for one. It's just, okay, got it. No problem. And I think as you do that, especially with this specific example, because it's ruins and that could be so vague and kind of kooky, right? That's just way too much. But they're gonna pick out those those miles those like uh, not milestones but intricate de- the, the the nuance because it's gonna be pertinent to the whole corner of a building that's gonna be something that they're gonna want to know because they're gonna use it for like you mentioned cover shelter cover shelter hiding whatever <clears throat> mm-hmm. visibility non visibility whatever and so when I talk about using visuals for descriptions I'm thinking. When you do theater of the mind or you're coming up with your own adventure or even a published adventure, if you have a hard time coming up with the description, and I think we could probably safely say published adventures are, you know, read the box text. They probably are pretty good. And then they'll come up with a question. Usually fairly good. Yep. They'll come up with a question that's not in the box text. And then you got to make a judgment call to just throw it in there or not. I think there's lots of imagery that you get off the internet that just you look at and go, Oh, I want something to occur in a spot. That's like that. Yep. That's one of the things that caught my eye. And we talked about this when we talked about Simber room is that I love the art. The art and that is so wonderfully evocative. And there's something about that style that tells me this is a Simber room game. When on Pinterest, I started hunting up Simber room art, dark fantasy art. It's wonderful stuff. I think the other thing that happens with images now, the the obvious uses flash to the players. This is what you see, but it's blue. This is what you see, but it doesn't have wings. Or it's this, but with an extra gun on it or whatever. You can do that. The drawback to that can be that if you have not amassed a bunch of stuff, right? If you haven't had the time to prep for it, the players do go in a direction. You're like, ooh, crap, I don't have a thing to show them, right? So it, it can feel... That said, one of the things I, I have found as I'm creating adventures, like when, I, when I'm doing an Avalon uh, adventure, like the stuff I was working on for this coming game on Friday, I was thinking, like, okay, I know what I want to do, understand the adventure I want to run. How do I want to describe this stuff? So the other thing I do is, and this kind of goes into the, the, preps, the prep concept of, like, always be prepping, and we'll talk about that in another show, but... I'm constantly, if I find an image, somebody puts something up on in Twitter, someone goes, oh, this is a really cool piece of art. Click, save. Click, save. I love it, love it, love it, grab it, love it, good. 
And I'll go through every once in a while and just sort through it. Or when I'm stuck, I'm like, okay, I want to have something really cool. What do I have that looks like a house? What do I have that's kind of, and I scroll through this stuff as part of, you know, just always checking around and trying to keep my brain going is thinking of the things like Lord of the Rings movie, the movie Willow, the movie whatever, an Avatar, uh, The Last Airbender cartoon I saw that I know my friends have watched or, hey, you guys watch Batman Under the Red Hood, right? Yeah, so it looks like this in Gotham, but so by doing that, one of the things that it does for me, not only just gives me shortcuts for um, media, other the, the, the crew may have seen, but when I'm looking at that, what you said about building an encounter around it is very true. I'll look at a piece of art and say, ooh, I should build this encounter. This would be just wicked to, to run whatever's happening here. But the other thing that it does for me is it gives me these, <clears throat> these great visual cues. What does it look like? Right? It's this monster crawling over a rock. You can just see his claws. I mean, you, you can break the, the demon apart and how its claws go over the top of the rock, how its head just slowly peeks over. You can catch half of half of its face, the demonic grin. When you see that stuff, describing that piece of art is to my players has become a way that I have improved my descriptive powers. Now, again, I've got plenty of work to do. And some days are better than others. Sometimes you're trying to describe something, you're like, uh, <laughs> your brain, your brain just fogs out on you. But I think the other cool thing about looking at the art that's all this really cool shit that's published is looking at it as sourcing in a place to prep from. You see this thing and go, wow, I could totally see my group in the Forgot Realms encountering this band of gnolls. I see this big knoll battle that somebody painted or somebody drew whatever like oh i could totally see that copy that thing look at it keep that in your mind you don't have to flash it to the players if you don't want to do that some people aren't comfortable doing that but you can use you can describe that picture to them or take certain descriptive notes from it some people are in the bullet list some people are into lots of different like write the description down word for word however you want to do it i think looking at this wonderfully evocative fantasy or just gaming art in general, sci-fi art. There's some amazing stuff out there. All this really cool shit. And having the way I describe that piece of art is going to be different than the way Sean describes the piece of art. And that's one of the cool parts is when I, if I say, hey, it's like Weathertop, but with a red moon, everybody who's seen it has basically the same image, right? If I don't show you, like, if it's a piece of art you haven't seen, they try to describe it to you. I'll describe it as best I can using my words and so forth. But Sean would do it different, much like our Delta Green game that we're talking about here. Two different approaches, the same piece of art, right? So I think one of the cool benefits to this is that <laughs> you're essentially stealing somebody else's really cool idea of what this description is, right? You're stealing it. But the cool benefit is that unless I know exactly what you're describing to me, because I happen to see the same piece of art, I don't, it, it's yours. It's this wonderful description. Yes, you're plagiarizing the art in that verbal format, but it's at your game. There's no gaming place to take you down. I just think, I, I think they're a wonderful, apart from the obvious show the characters, hey, show the players, this is what it looks like. I think they're a really great way to um, practice descriptions when you're running theater of the mind. Does that make sense, Sean? Yes. 
big time. And I think I think by providing the image, sometimes you you may fall into the same trap of putting down the the map or the anything graphical. Like, oh, here's the map. Here's the layout. Oh, so this table's there. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, it's it's the map isn't the terrain kind of thing. So then you start getting into well, then it's only working within the bounds of what they can actually physically see as players, which can suck at times. Not yes. not always, because but it, it may limit their imagination in swinging across the bar by grabbing the chandelier and getting to the other side. And not having to go through a crowded room. But because the chandelier, the chandelier isn't in the picture or on the map, well, then that doesn't occur to them because they're but only it, it looking at it. It doesn't exist. It doesn't right? exist because it's not yeah. there. And so I think there is a bit of a shortcoming if you if you're like, hey, here here's kind of an image. And oh, by the way, just so you know, it's this isn't exactly what you see, but this is the lighting and the the greenness of the grass and blah 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 blah. The stone stone structure, you know. Well, is that is that accurate? Is that what it looks like? Does it have the glyphs on there? Does it not have the glyphs on there? So then, if you just describe it as best you can, and then if you start getting into the weeds where it's like, I don't, I don't understand. Hold on, man. I don't get. Sean, you said there was something there. Then you said there wasn't something there. Come on. So then it's a yeah. Sean's description that starts to get convoluted. And then you're just like, all right, here, plop, you know, just <laughs> hey, look. this is it right here. See, yeah, this is what I'm talking about. That's <laughs> why I think some I think... of the strengths of the black and white photo images and some of the older modules sometimes isn't, I think it's something if they complement it off of, of a description and say, Hey, you go down a hallway and there's different colored orbs set into the walls at different intervals, right? Two Mahors. Shocker, yep. surprise, spoilers, and they're at different heights. The black and white image just going here. This is what they're talking about as far as the graphics go. And you see this? This is one of the orbs. See this one up here? This is one of the orbs. What color is which one? Doesn't matter. It's like, which one are you standing in front of? How far have you yep. gone down? Yep. So it is interesting how it can complement each other. But I think a lot of these imageries from this episode and what I was thinking of as far as the topic goes was, Getting an image because you're not sure where they are. Like, oh, you're in a glade. Describe the glade. Ah, oh, shit. What's a glade look like? Okay. Well, it's open and it's got this light beaming down and it seems like everything else is shadowed, but this one area is all uncovered and blah, blah, blah. The other thing that I think, depending what what your group is like, some folks get, ooh, shiny, and then they're way off. Squirrel. Yeah. Right. That right. classic joke. Right. Where they're off doing their thing. And some groups, if I say you find this and I put a handout on the table, I, I could have then said, and here's a million dollars. And by the way, I quit my job and I'm right. getting divorced. I just right. murdered my wife. Right. No one would notice anything else I said. You know, hey, I, yeah, because they're busy, <laughs> they're busy staring looking at, at the, the thing. thing yeah. They're busy staring at the thing I gave them. And even when I flash it up on the TV type of deal, I use it for. That's the monster. Like I said, I'm like, hey, it's this. I, it's a judicious use because I w don't want to rely too heavily on it because I don't. Um, I'm not running a tactical game. I'm trying to do more theater of the mind. I want to do it. I think that um, 
of the things I did love, so to use the Peter Jackson thing with the Lord of the Rings, I think there was lots of shitty, excuse me, not shitty, a shit ton of special effects in that movie. Shit ton of them. Not shitty. Very good stuff. A lot of fun. Good angling. Blah, 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 blah. It was augmenting what was going on. Right? It wasn't the um, the focus of everything. One of the things I was, Brett personally was not a big fan of the overly remastered, in my opinion, original trilogy of Star Wars. But some of the pieces were cool, but some of it was like just too much. I'm like, dude, you, you just oversaturated the scene with all of this crap. You didn't need to do that. It was like you just filled in any, anywhere there was a gap. I put a new alien or I just did too much. So there was a, um, a feeling that it wasn't adding to it. It wasn't supplementing it. It was for show. It was like, look what I can do with ILM. That's how Brett felt. And whether you agree with me or not there, the point I'm hoping still stands in that sometimes you can have the same effect with your gaming group, right? Where every room, everything, if you're constantly showing pictures and pictures and pictures, it becomes almost too much, right? Where I think sometimes you get a sensory overload with it. In a game like Tomb of Horrors, the rooms... A number of the rooms have very specific handouts that are for a specific thing. You see the juggernaut. You see this forearm gargoyle. This is what happens when you look at the room with the orbs in the wall. This is what happens with this. Return to the Tomb of Horrors is much the same. This is what this looks like. This is what the mist looks like. This is the ruined town. That's, that's cool stuff, but it's for a very specific thing. Black. But there's tons of other stuff that's going on. Wandering through town, you go into the tavern. It doesn't have a picture of the tavern to show you. This is what the inside of the tavern looks like. Yeah, it, it's not going that detailed. And I think they, um, it, it, it cuts the balance where you're not overloading with the visuals, right? And I think I've talked to people who've had a similar problem even with a tactical game where they, where the map is like over dwarven forged. <laughs> and some people love it and there's nothing wrong with it. But I do know some folks get distracted and I've, heard this from people like, man, I, I just couldn't focus on the game. I was walking by a demo of Rappenthock and somebody had laid it out. I think at Gary Khan had a shit ton of just Dwarven Forge stuff. It was, it was, it was a wonderful layout. And I went, wow, that's kind of cool. Some it's person I do not pretty. know. It's very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. And a dude leaned over to me and goes, I couldn't play that game. And I said, why? He goes, I, I, I'd be too distracted looking at all the cool scenery. He said, I never listened to the Game Master. Well, yeah, I think I might have that same problem. It was just kind of an interesting revelation that that he that he shared with me. Again, I had no idea who this guy was. But um, you know your group, or hopefully as you get to know them more and more, I think a judicious use of it. What's judicious? It, it, it depends on what adventure you're running, how you want to do it. Um, I think it can add a fair amount, as we've said. And I think the other component is that even if you're not flashing the pictures up, like, ooh, this is what a dwarf looks like. Ooh, this is what the trolls look like in this world. Using them as your visual reference. So think of it as, you know, Frazetta and all these other artists, Elmore, they have modeler. They have models. They have somebody standing there holding something, a sword, a broomstick, something that's a representation of. So this piece of art that you have is a representation of what you're going for. And describing it can be wonderful. And sometimes having the throwaway art or the always used art, a glade, you know, Keeping, if you do want to have that type of thing handy, my advice is gather a bunch of different ones Glade one, Glade two, Glade three, Glade four, bunch of trees, bunch of trees, bunch of trees, a lot of trees, it, just mixing it up a little bit. Um, it can be a lot of work. 
And some people are like, look, I don't want to organize pictures all day. That's not fun for me. And it's absolutely legit. Um, I find a lot of inspiration looking for art. Um, so that's one of my favorite kind of passive D&D or RPG in general prep things. Knowing that there's a Delta Green game coming and knowing that I have a Streets of Avalon game coming this Friday, over the weekend I was looking for stuff I might want to use. I have things I've already captured, like this is what a, you know, I have images, thank God, because of the, the <coughs> um, Matt's art from my uh, from the Streets of Avalon book. We've got some really cool images of different things I can flash up and I can use and I can highlight and whatever, but there's some other really cool stuff I could pull out. That could be kind of fun. And I will have a folder ready to display stuff, but I'm not going to use, I don't have to use it all. I think that's the last thing I might, in my head, to kind of leave somebody with is like, just because you've collected 15 pieces of art that could be useful, you think could be useful this session, you do not feel obligated or required to use all of them. Right? If you're like, huh, turns out the, uh, the graveyard. Never got used. Man, I thought that had been really cool. If they'd have gone to the graveyard or if that could have come up, it could have been pretty sweet. But, eh, it's not wasted. You still have it, right? But sometimes we'll feel obligated to take the prep we have. This is where the railroading comes in. Um, and you can do the similar thing to yourself where you're forcing some of your prep to hit the table because you want this thing to happen. You have to resist that urge if you don't need to do it. Yes. Uh, Anything else on this one, Sean? No. All right. I think that was a shorter topic. Not too bad. It was. If anybody's got thoughts on how they use it or um, or issues they've had with it and any lessons learned, be lo- I'd love to hear about it. And I'm sure that there's there's more to what we just talked about here briefly. There's more to it than that. But I just wanted to uh, kind of bring it up as theater of the mind, ways to augment, and also method, to, as I said, to help you get your descriptive engine going so cool man i think we can move on cool let's get into die roll two to four miscellaneous points gaming and geek we want to share with you first one this week forgotten adventures i don't know if i've ever actually pulled up the site maybe i have and this is a repeat but nonetheless still pretty good um they've got a patreon a lot of digital assets and they offer bundles as well but if you're running a virtual tabletop and need some tokens and some stuff, Forgotten Adventures is a place to check out. So there you go. Next one. Uh, so I have to thank <laughs> this this individual. Um, the Bad Cat Reads, that specific Twitter tweet that uh, they put out because it garnered 248 responses. Um, and basically... They say, had a player suddenly rage quit a campaign last year because they had to do a death saving throw during a boss battle and left an awkward funk in the party and wound up having to end the campaign early. Still bugs me sometimes. Ever had something similar happen? And so Saturday I went through, I don't know, 20 of their replies. I didn't even get through halfway. And, Funny shit. Uh, commented on some of them. Some of them were funny. Some were pretty damn ridiculous as far as maturity level. Like, like there was one specific that stood out. Like, it was a Star Wars game. A person was playing a Jedi, and the the game master was just just coming down on him super hard. Oh no, you can't do that. Or oh, that doesn't work. And he's like, wait a minute, what's going on? And he's like, I hate Jedi. 
the game master hates Jedi. And he was just busting his chaps and just take it. What did you let him do that for? Why did you, so, why did you do that? So some what pretty, a, pretty ridiculous stuff. But uh, I mean, so wow. plenty of, of inspiration for my talk. Well, I told you, I, I told, I told the story about the time I walked off of a con game. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> I packed my gear and left. Yeah, Brett Rage quit. <laughs> I did one at a, at a Gen Con ages ago. That was hilarious. Too funny. Uh, so yeah, what are you going to do? But anyways, I, if you had some time, read the replies there and all we can do is learn. Exactly. Uh, let's see. Next one. Dragon Lance Nexus, uh, put out a tweet that I thought I saw, but I don't think there was a link to this particular product, but what they are doing, uh, they are proud to announce the Dragon Lance Nexus's first adventure series for fifth edition champions of Kryn. First chapter is The Mystery of the Lost Patrol for first level players. Watch for it this fall, 2021. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So if you are a Dragonlance fan and wondering where the 5e stuff is, well, looks like the Dragonlance Nexus, which has been around forever. Online. They're bringing the love. Bringing That's the awesome. love. Yeah. So there you go. Next one. I think I put this on our Discord, if I'm not mistaken, but um, in case you are interested, Brett's favorite game, Osric, or iteration of the game, Osric, is available for free on DriveThruRPG. Uh, if you want to play first edition AD&D, and you pick up one of the old Gary Gygax books and try to read it cover to cover, and then you want to gouge your eyes out, because you're like, how the fuck do you play this game? Osric is well-organized, well-written, easy to understand. And I tell people all the time, I mean, I'm, I'm running a, um, assuming all things uh, work out for GameCon, I'm running a Streets of Avalon game using Osric. Oh, you're going to use Osric for it. For one of them, yeah. It's a straightforward It's a straightforward game. It, it's I, I think it rolls really, really well. It's a lot of fun, has a lot of the key pieces to it. And it does things that... Um, Sean, you and I talked about, hey, does it have weapon versus armor type? Nah, not really. Does it do this? No, it gets rid of that. It streamlines, it reorganizes a lot of what's in Osric. If you read that, like, hey, Brett, how are you running your AD&D game? A lot of how Osric has it organized is basically how I and most of my friends ran it back in the day when we played all the time. It was, it's well done. And um, I, there's plenty of fans out there of it, and I uh, I think it's well-deserved. So that's awesome to see it on drive through. Yeah. The next one, the last one, the Any Awards. Hey, we mentioned the Any Awards and the nominations and the nominees, and then we said, but then voting. they had technical difficulties yeah. and you couldn't vote or the voting. they lost a bunch of stuff. Yeah, something happened. They had a technical snafu. So if you voted before a certain date, well, your votes were null and void, and so now um, they've re-put it out there so that you can take advantage of that. So it's like in good old fashioned Chicago politics style vote early, vote often. <laughs> awesome, funny, funny. But otherwise, that's it for I think that's it for this week. Yes, it is. So, what are we talking about next week, Brett? You know, so Sean, I want to talk about the eternal prepper, um, or the constant prepping that I alluded, talked about earlier in this episode. I want, to, I want to bring that up. I don't have the notes out there yet, but it's the We've talked about it a little bit off the mic, so that's what I'm going to work through how to build a new um, 
thing in Notion, <laughs> the new tool, but I'll get it. I'll get it cranked out there. But that's what I want to talk about next time. So Sweet. I'll get some notes going for you. You just tell me, and I will create the card. Yeah. yeah, that's about. It's about always prepping. Always so prepping. Always, always prepping. Always be pre- prepping. ABP. Prepping, yes. ABP. ABP. A loser's get steak knives. That's right. <laughs> Second place steak knives. There's a pencil. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for showing up tonight as we recorded this live on Twitch. We are here Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time U.S. Just head over to gamingabs.com forward slash Twitch. And then if you see this on YouTube, give us a like or subscribe. But the true show is the audio podcast. That's our flagship show. Put it in your podcatcher. Do a search for Gaming NBS. Pull it up. Give us a listen and subscribe. Greatly appreciated. Otherwise, I am Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming NBS produced with help from the following BSers. Joe Swick, Old School DM, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Chris Steele, Jason Hobbs, Mark Tasaka, Merkel Froelich, Pure Mongrel, Brett Pazinski, Brandon Barnes, Eileen Barnes, Dan LaValley, Craig Huber, Roger Braslett, Stefan Dragonspawn, Jared Rasher, Ray Otis, Jim Fitzpatrick, Old Schoozer Roleplaying, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Larry Hout, Ron Bishop, Mark Richmond, Chad Gleeman, Sky, Craig, Howard Bishop, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Angus, Eric Salzweedle, George Sedwick, Robert Nemeth, Brian Kurtz, Laramie Wall, Perry Besor, Erica Villa, Andy Olson, Jeff Seifert, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Maurice, Niall Diamond, Aaron Relia, Jeff Goad, Aaron Coleman, Brian Rumble, Rich Wishon, David F. Baylog, Perrigan, Melissa Bashinsky, Henry Newcomb, Kokego, Eric Tavola, Who's Carl, Ghost GM, Mike Hess Jr., Rory Weston, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Phil McClory, Adam Grochon, Jay Plata, Ed Nyes, The Duke in Purple, Isaiah Aries Christian, Larry Hollis, Quigley Malcolm, AWOL Trooper, Craig Shipman, Todd Sharp, Orcus Dorcus, Chris Shore, Michael O'Holland, Wayne Peacock, Mike Coleman, Miniature Master, Kevin Keneally, Zagrave, Bob Fletcher, Vornak, Marty McButterpants, Andrew Lear, Craig Chunglo, Eric Lunsford, Ty Prunty, and Feeling Good Lewis. Hey, are you signed up to get updates from us? What if something happens to our RSS feed? Maybe you're not on Twitter or Facebook. Well, subscribe to our email newsletter. Head over to gamingnbs.com forward slash newsletter. And remember, be a positive force in the RPG hobby. Thanks, BSers. This This has has been been a Litterbox Studio production. production.